Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. Can we kick off this podcast today with just a classic story? We're going to start now. We're just going to roll into this. Okay. I might not name the person, but I'll tell you. don't have to name, but this is a fantastic story I heard at SAS Connect from Ashley. So welcome to the Conversion Show. Today we have Ashley Scorpio, SVP of Revenue at Levitate Levitate Foundry. It is the largest female-founded Shopify Plus agency partner in North America, which is, that's really cool. So congratulations for joining that. But let's start with this story. Is this story that is straight out of uh, the show, Silicon Valley? Straight out of the Bay. Yeah. So funny story. Uh, My sister and I have sibling dogs that are litter mates. So they have the same parents and the same birthday. They're from the same litter. And uh, yeah, the the way that that came about is my sister is actually a Bay Area-based entrepreneur. And she was fundraising at the time. This is many years ago. My dog is now 11 years old. Um, So when they were wee little puppies, uh, there was a particular investor in the Bay Area who wanted to lead uh, one of the series rounds in my sister's company. And so one of the ways to sweeten the pot and to make sure their fund came out on top and led the round was to gift uh, her uh, two puppies and myself, a puppy and her lead engineer, a puppy. And, um, uh, one of her friends as well, who's a founder of another, uh, Bay area startup. So yeah, funny story. Cause it's definitely something that you could see or, uh, definitely foresee in a show like Silicon Valley. Um, and also odd part of my own little, you know, Canadian and California and the U S story, I actually did appear on an episode of Silicon Valley uh, briefly. Yeah. In the, in the episode daily active users, when they are workshopping uh, the whole concept and they're doing focus groups, you know, I'm the person that ultimately leads the main character to despair by walking out on his pitch. um, And he tries to, you know, uh, you know, invoke pizza and that everyone loves pizza and uh, yeah, no dice, uh, at least not for my on-screen persona. And so that was also a pretty funny segue as well. I feel like your, I remember your story got even crazier. Wasn't there like a second dog trying to get, <laughs> didn't you want to get more dogs into the mix or something? I mean, I love dogs. Uh, yeah. Outside of marketing, you know, in the US, I'm definitely known for marketing in, in SaaS and in e-commerce and on the agency side. In Canada, I'm certainly known for politics. But just as a human, I'm definitely known as an animal lover and certainly a dog mom. Um, So yeah, I spend a lot of my time with dogs. My phone easily has, easily has over 5,000 pictures of dogs on it. (laughs) So I, I, um, uh, 
my wife's sister-in-law was just in San Francisco at a trade show, which is where I saw you last. And Mm -hmm. one of the booths had puppies and it's this company that essentially that's their gig. They, you can hire this contract, a company to bring puppies to your booth. And it was a total hit. It was a huge hit. Genius. Move over booth, babes. We didn't want that anyway, right? As a woman in marketing, who's also been in that position of pitching on the show floor, bring on the puppies, bring on a pack of puppies, and hopefully they're adoptable rescues. Yeah, and Um, then percentage of their proceeds of the actual business actually goes to support the the different, I'm not sure which program it was, but like, like we're a big rescue dog. We have two rescue dogs in our family. And but it goes into that story, which we can kind of now segue why people are here to hear about the current trends and conversion, which conversion, what it really the foundation of it is your customer experience and understanding your customers. And like you said, like people don't want booth babes. They, you know, they're not going to remember that they're going to people walked away remembering these puppies, sharing these photos of these puppies because they they understood their customer and embraced it, engaged it. And it was awesome. They brought was, little, uh, the little, the TY, what's the TY little stuffed animals? Oh, the Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies, is that what they are? Yeah, they and they gave away little Beanie Babies. So that was <laughs> kids, which also goes back to, yeah, That's small side note is Yadpo had baby socks one year at IRCE. And I, 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 five years later, I still have them. You know, they're on my kids now. I mean, it's just super smart things anyhow. So I love a practical swag giveaway. Socks are actually one of my favorite items to receive uh, from partners for sure. But um, you raise a really good point about customer experience. Uh, and also I'd say making those memories and it being about experiences, especially millennials are extremely interested in experience and not just an item. So to have sort of gifting or an experience baked in is a big way we see conversions. Another one I would say is, you know, when we're thinking about buy one, give one or a donation based model or a nonprofit model baked in, I immediately think of the OG in the space, Tom's, right? Like the buy one, give one model. And so I think, especially when it comes to Gen Z, uh, they're very conscientious consumers, generally speaking as a demographic, uh, especially when it comes to sustainability and eco-friendly. And I think Uh, It's more important than ever to have that sort of corporate social responsibility baked into your brand, especially if you're trying to reach younger demographics and generations, because it's something that they're very much paying attention to. So there's a trend right there, you know, um, shopping gives, eco cart. um, Are you seeing those those type of of app partners that you work with kind of trending up? Absolutely. And I've been partnered with both Shopping Gives and EcoCart for many years. Um, full disclosure, I am an investor in EcoCart because I do strongly believe in sustainability uh, and that mission. And I particularly like the way that they've gone about things. Uh, but again, as someone in the space, I am agnostic and we partner with everyone. And like I said, have also been working with Shopping Gives for many years. I have seen definitely an uptick, uh, particularly around this time of year with Earth Day and Earth Month. So this is definitely the time of year. There is obviously a lot of seasonality when it comes to e-commerce and shopping. 
you know, we see that on retail calendars, traditional retail calendars. When is the best time to buy a mattress or a barbecue or swimwear or, you know, Black Friday might be the best time of year to buy electronics or kitchen appliances. So there is definitely a lot of seasonality beyond the typical, oh, snow boots, uh, winter gear, and let's say bikini season. So I do think uh, that's something that you see around this time of year as well. You know, we're talking right now in May, uh, so that's quite common. But generally speaking, I think, again, as the purchasing power of Gen Z continues to rise beyond just their influencing power that they're having perhaps on their Gen X parents and beyond. Um, yeah, I think those are definitely tools that we've seen a massive uptick in. I know particularly amongst um our clients at Levitate Foundry, we did also do a promotion for Earth Month with EcoCart specifically. Um, and so I do know a number of our clients and the brands we support were really eager to take advantage of that. Shipping is such a, a critical component of the customer experience that I think is has been overlooked completely up until recently. And, you know, even like Amazon finally was like, oh, hey, you can get these at a, you know, delay shipping and we'll try to put them in, in, in group them in boxes, but that's just half of it. It's the, it's the materials. Um, I actually really appreciate when I like baby diapers, when we order those, when they just slap the sticker on the box, the Pampers box and it arrives, you know, without all the extra stuff. Um, what refresh the audience on, since we are talking about um, EcoCart, um, all disclosures out. I think it's a fantastic company and concept. What's what's some examples of of brands leveraging that? Like with the Earth Day sale, what were they just promoting the fact that, hey, this packaging is going to be sustainable, or what, what's the breakdown there? So specifically, when it comes to EcoCart, a lot of the brands were talking about offering carbon neutral. Uh, shipping or offsetting their shipping. So it would be carbon neutral. Um, so a lot of people are thinking about their own impact when it comes to their impact on the planet. You know, we've seen similar things in other spaces too, where people sometimes calculate, particularly pre-pandemic, and I'm sure we'll see a resurgence of this now that a lot of travel, leisure travel has resumed. You know, some people are calculating their carbon footprint based on their own um, amount of time they spend in the air or on trains and planes. Uh, and so yeah, I think we've seen people offset uh, their carbon footprint with based on their flight credits and their mileage flown. And so similarly, this is kind of what we're seeing um, EcoCart facilitate in e-commerce when it comes to carbon neutral shipping. But to um, touch on your point of packaging, again, full disclosure, I am an investor in Arca, but Arca specifically offers sustainable eco-friendly packaging. So that would come down to, like you said, the devil is in the details. How much packing material are we using? What is the uh, packing material made out of? How is it being sourced? Has it been reused or repurposed? You know, one of the things... Amazon, as obviously the, the elephant in the room of e-commerce and in any room or warehouse, uh, has primed consumers for prime shipping, not only in the sense of speed and urgency, but they also have done something in this area too, where, and I feel like it's a little known, often overlooked feature, but individuals can go into their individual Amazon account and set their preferences specifically for less packaging to your point, so that it'll come oftentimes in the original box for the product, as opposed to being put into an additional cardboard box. Uh, so I highly encourage anyone who has not selected that feature 
uh, to go ahead uh, and do so. But yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways we as consumers can be more conscientious in our consumption. And similarly, on the brand side, brand owners and brand operators and marketers can think about what they're putting out in the world in their own marketing campaigns and about their brand, how they're telling that story, and how they're hopefully holding up their end of the bargain of any story they might be telling and the realities on the ground and in the warehouse. So that's where the story comes in and the on-site website experience what are, how is that being communicated, you know, with your clients? How do you communicate that to their customers? So many different ways. So when we're talking about onsite, you know, at Levitate Foundry, we specifically offer conversion rate optimization as a service. We can either do a full-blown uh, conversion rate optimization project and a full off, uh, full on audit of the entire site. We can also offer it as an ongoing service. And that can look like a lot of different things. That could look at, let's say, product page descriptions, right? And ensuring we're using high quality, engaging, and perhaps lifestyle imagery. Perhaps it's also about how fresh the content is. If we're specifically talking about telling the story, you'd be surprised by how many brands don't have an about us or an our story section. Simple, no brainer. Um, Similarly, building off that, if that's table stakes, perhaps you have an about us or an our story or about the founders or whatever part of the story you want to tell, whether it's the mission, whether it's the product, whether it's the problem you're solving, whether it's how it'll make the consumer or their loved ones feel if they're gifting it. Um, you might want to build on that with a blog, right? Uh, I'd say ever since the iOS 14.5 changes that we've seen in the past two plus years, in e-commerce and generally online across digital marketing channels, the owned and earned channels have been more important than ever. So on-site SEO uh, should not be slept on, right? Having a consistent uh, blog with high quality content, perhaps informative information, backlinks, et cetera, extremely important. Similarly, having a, a robust FAQ section, right? Again, it's the sort of thing that could build trust knowing that the brand has thought about these commonly asked questions, has proactively provided this information. You know, when we think about a conversion funnel or we think about the customer journey, even before um, they've converted, right? There's sort of the branding and awareness phase at the top of the funnel. There's the consideration phase in the mid funnel. And then hopefully there's that conversion at the bottom of the funnel. And again, that's not the end of the loop. Hopefully this is a virtuous cycle and we continue to you know, rinse, reuse, repeat, and refill the funnel with, with retention, which we can definitely talk about in a minute. But when it comes to conversion, that mid-funnel, there's a lot of consideration that goes into it. Sometimes I would call it homework. You know, a lot of customers, especially millennials onward, have been more prone to doing homework. That might be a simple Google search. That might be reading reviews, whether they're on site or in marketplaces or on other blogs. That might be consuming content by creators or others online about the product or service or offering. And so the more information you are putting out there on your own site, the better. You know, in politics, we would talk about this us on us versus us on them versus them on us right? What are you saying about your own brand or products? What are your competitors saying about you? What are other people saying about you? So at the end of the day, who is best positioned to tell your brand story? You are, you and your team. <laughs> so, you know, take the bull by the horns and ideally have a, a really robust section on site about who you are, what you stand for, if there's a give back, if there's a value add, if there's a sustainability angle, et cetera. 
I'm I'm just going to pause there because we just got a nice lesson from Ashley on what I like to call the basics. Like if you think about it, before we do all this fancy, crazy stuff, are we covering the basics? And when, especially with DTC brands, maybe they, you know, maybe they're scrolling their phone late night on Instagram and they see this new cool thing like, hmm, this looks legit. And you click on it. You know, that's where it's really important to tell the story of what, how this product came about, who's behind it, what they believe in, speaking to the new, you know, the Gen Z and, and what they're interested in more than just a product. Who are they buying from? They're going to wear it, use it, talk about it with their friends. It represents who they are. The I love the homework analogy because it, it is true. It's, you know, it's, it, and it's, it's also looking at the truce of what happens today is that if you, if this brand hasn't built the trust yet with you, they haven't communicated that shipping, they understand how important shipping is. They understand returns can be a pain and people want to make sure that's real. You know, who do they, who are they doing business with? Do they give back, et cetera? Well, if you haven't communicated that to your, your visitor, I'm an Apple tea, Amazon product. No, I can get it free shipping next day or two. And right there, you lose the zero and first party data. If you haven't collected it through that process, <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, this Gen Z profile, I mean, you, you touched on a lot of uh, great things here, you know, the story page. Um, are there any other, you know, what else does the Gen Z care about? You know, when you're on a website, what's those other like basic miscellaneous things you're seeing opportunities that low, we like call the low hanging fruit at when you look at a client's website, you're like, why aren't you doing this, this, you know, like, where's the video, you know, come on. <laughs> Definitely. So I completely agree with you. It's all about blocking and tackling and nailing those bases, basics first and foremost, and laying that foundation for a successful user journey on site and then building from there. So a couple things I would also say uh, you know, you mentioned shipping and returns. That's a big piece of it because we are primed for fast, free shipping. Uh, that's the number one thing is you should offer free shipping if you can. And a lot of brands and business owners, especially smaller brands, perhaps just starting out, think, oh no, I can't offer free shipping. I can't afford to eat that cost. You know, well, if you haven't baked it into your margins or thought about it in that sense, perhaps you raise your price and offer free shipping. And we've noticed that that little bit, even though ultimately it ends up being the same price, removes that layer of friction at checkout where shipping is calculated. So that's a very simple one that you might not think would make a difference because at the end of the day, you might say that doesn't make sense. It's, this, it's the same price it's being presented in a different way. So if your product is also high quality and hopefully you have the reviews and the testimonials to also back that up and make the case for that, people are willing to pay a little more or a premium, especially if they know that there's, let's say, free shipping and uh, free returns. And you know, you touch on returns. I think, again, very clearly communicating the return policy in your FAQ section is a big one because you are building that trust. You are setting those expectations. You of course need to deliver, right? If anything, again, building on my past in politics, you want to uh, under promise and over deliver. So in a worst case scenario, let's say 
you know, we saw this in the early parts of the pandemic. A lot of shipping uh, and logistics chains failed. A lot of production uh, stalled uh, for obvious reasons. And so in a worst case scenario, you need to be proactive and communicate with your customers. So customer service itself is extremely important. There's obviously a lot of things you might want to consider, whether that's people, whether that's a chatbot on-site or through messenger or other channels that make sense for your target demographic. Um, but yeah, having very clear avenues of communication to be reached should an issue occur. Uh, being proactive if you are you realize something might be brewing, whether or not it's confirmed, uh, I think is appreciated. And similarly, if you have, uh, let's say a first-time buyer, first-time customer, and they make their first product uh, purchase with you. And let's say it's something like apparel or footwear, which very commonly might come down to fit, right? So this is why on-site information is extremely important. Do you have a size guide? Do you have reviews and testimonials that specifically talk about whether it's as expected, true to size, uh, smaller than expected, larger than expected, et cetera? Do you have more data points for that for people to extrapolate off of? Do you have product imagery, perhaps, of different sizes of models wearing um, your apparel, let's say. A great example of one of our clients who does really well with this um, that I love is MeUndies. They will typically say the model's height and perhaps sometimes their weight and what size of the product they are wearing. And you can visually see how the garment is falling or fitting on their body type based on the dimensions you've been provided. So, you know, that's just one example that I think works particularly well. But just to close out this, this piece of it, let's say, God forbid, a first-time customer orders a pair of shoes and they, they don't fit and they need to return them. That is not the worst case scenario. Um, you can actually turn a return into a great experience. If the return is easily easy and seamless uh, and fast and free, uh, chances are you've still won a net new customer. Perhaps that particular transaction didn't work out, but they're more likely to come back to you. But if they purchase from you, especially for the first time, and it was a bad experience overall through and through, they're probably not coming back. Well, that gets to your lifecycle marketing and retention, you know, and that's where e-commerce brands, they need to understand it, it, it's a organic system where every department needs to be working together to ensure that customer has the greatest experience possible. I always say customer experience equals or CS equals sales and marketing. Because, you know, you're touching on the undies and a lot of the information about sizing can also come from reviews. You know, the reviewers and, and another great way to collect zero and first party data is when someone writes a review, you can extrapolate more data from your customer. But most importantly, it provides your, your, your own customers the information they're looking for. So, you know, even you can have your size chart, but if someone reads review and they're like, oh, this person's, you know, 5'8", one one sixty five, uh, and it says true to true to size or like whatever. It's like okay, I found that person, you know. And each visitor has a different experience. The other thing with returns is just by saying free returns these days, I don't feel is enough, because what a you know, again, you know, Amazon has done some phenomenal things, and it's very fair to use them as an opportunity to figure out how to how do we take the Amazon experience and apply it to your to standalone e-commerce businesses 
And it's, it's the trend is happening with all the apps available and everything, but you have to know, Hey, what is the foundation? Then what are the apps for returns? Even if they're free, they're still a pain. Like you gotta, I don't own a printer. I don't know about you, but you me check, either. <laughs> Z doesn't mean own laptops. You think they own a printer, you know? So if you expect them to no joke, I'm so fortunate. I've moved back to my hometown and my parents live three minutes away. My both wife and I, we email my dad UPS slips to print out for us to return things. And that's the reality of today. And retailers need to understand they need to communicate what the full experience is going to be. Otherwise, like I've, per, I've not, another reason why I've Apple T to Amazon is I don't want to deal with returns. Like remove that, remove that risk. Friction. From yeah, the friction. It's friction. It's a friction point. Um, and when there's too much friction, what do we get? We get a fire that burns and it burns down that relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yes, the vast majority of millennials and certainly Gen Z do not own printers, certainly not at home. I think one of the running memes ever since the pandemic is that, you know, since a lot of people are working from home or still working remotely or have moved to remote first life, they've lost access to the in-office printer, uh, which is where perhaps they might have printed things in the past. Well, um, in the past too, the mailroom, you could use, you could pay for shipping, you know, when you had to pay for shipping. Some people may have used the company's UPS FedEx uh, account. <laughs> completely possible, uh, certainly frowned upon and not encouraged, but completely possible. Um, so yeah, no, I think, Those are things to think about. I know a a good number of brands, e-commerce brands offer a prepaid shipping label that they send to you with a bag for the return to be packaged in. So I think that's a great way to go about it. Um, You know, even for me, for example, even with those Amazon returns you were mentioning, I personally uh, typically just do the barcode and I just screenshot the barcode and then I drop off to let's say a UPS store. And that way, again, I'm also saving trees and saving paper without having to um, print anything at all. And moreover, in a lot of times when you're doing a UPS drop-off, you can eliminate the packaging because they actually bulk everything at the store, which is Is an interesting model too. Is there a, the experience you just mentioned, which is correct, it's all digital, it's great. Is what, what's available for, for retailers themselves to try to replicate that experience. Are there any, and who's, who's available? No one. I, I would say the closest thing would be either those prepaid labels that you send. So it's door to door with a drop-off um, or perhaps if they set up their own. And I think this would probably have to be based on volume. So it would probably have to be a larger brand or retailer um, that would set up their own sort of arrangement with UPS similarly. However, based on UPS's relationship with Amazon, although Amazon has also now, as we've seen, started to take their own tact where they're taking shipping and logistics into their own hands very much, not only for their own products like Amazon Basics, but all the FBA fulfilled by Amazon items as well. Um, So yeah, I think, there might be friction there because UPS is already losing out on big pieces of that account. Um, and they're probably eager to retain the rest of the business that they can. So there may or may not be some sort of a non-compete at a larger scale. Obviously I can't speak to those businesses cause I'm not privy to their, the inner workings of their relationships, but yeah, I would say some of the things that, um, 
some of the brands that we work with love to leverage are things like Loop or Happy Returns. Um, there are partners that offer services around this. There's also, uh, on a similar tangent, there's also try before you buy options as well. So instead of being um, paying upfront and then only being reimbursed after, let's say the return is received uh, back by the brand, you would only be charged after a certain window of having decided to keep the items. So it kind of flips that whole model on its head, but it certainly removes even more of the friction out of the purchase uh, cycle and the purchase decision. Uh, I'm, I took notes on those two. I think this this sector is really going to be interesting to watch as we look at customer experience moving forward. Yes, and I think we saw a lot of this with um, we saw a lot of this initially with the installment payments when it when it comes to that bottom funnel checkout stage, right? And I think things to think about there are shipping, taxes, if there's duty or customs, if it's coming from abroad, if there's additional charges for shipping or fast shipping, if you have to meet a certain minimum for the free shipping to qualify for it. Um, but yeah, I would say the, the other thing that others have leveraged are those buy now, pay later solutions. And there are obviously a plethora of those as well. Um, however, as we've seen in the US with lots of different other alternative financial solutions across different industries uh, like crypto, uh, oftentimes there are regulatory uh, things to be aware of that could perhaps potentially impact those types of offerings and businesses. So I think buy now, pay later uh, was a really big thing, especially with Gen Z. I think it's being somewhat scrutinized, at least by lawmakers, although it's still probably somewhat popular amongst consumers. And I think now there's the alternative option like a try now, pay later, um, you know, if 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 that's more accessible perhaps for the brand. Well, as we, we move into, you know, the next chapter of customer experience is the payment. You know, it, again, looking at the Amazon experience, you show up, you're already logged in, takes one click to check out. There's been a lot of work to replicate that experience with uh, Shopify, ShopPay, you know, Google Checkout. Um, are you seeing those be embraced by your clients? Yes. Uh, ShopPay is definitely a big one. Um, as the largest female founder and led Shopify Plus preferred agency partner in North America, obviously the vast majority of the brands and businesses that we work with and support are on Shopify core or Shopify Plus. So they're within that ecosystem. So it's quite common for them to leverage any of the um, Shopify options. You know, another hot topic right now is, is Shopify shipping and fulfillment as well. Uh, you know, cause we've touched on logistics quite a bit in this wow. conversation. Shop pay is a big one. I also think for the consumer that feeds into that customer experience you were talking about. 100%. Because if you leverage shop pay as the user and you have the app, you also see, uh, in real time, the tracking and the fulfillment of your order and your products and where they are and when you can expect them. So I do think that is one that we've seen implemented quite frequently. Um, I think the other thing that we've been talking about within this space for many years is mobile first web design. And similarly, so if you're, if you have a mobile checkout, um, one, everything needs to look right and fit on a smaller screen than on a desktop. Again, this should go without say, but you'd be surprised. 
And similarly, you know, you mentioned Google Pay. Uh, that brings into question as well Apple Pay, especially if people are shopping from their iPhones. Bolt. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> what's uh, what are you seeing? So mobile is especially DTC. I mean, we're looking at 70% numbers of their consumers are on mobile. Uh, Easily. Obviously, obviously much higher um, or much lower sales conversion rates uh, on mobile, uh, which, you know, obviously it's new and there's great opportunity to improve, improve, you know, that low hanging fruit. But, you know, when you, as you're looking at strategies, as you're sitting down with clients, it's, are your clients recognizing this and being like, oh, we need to divert resources towards this? Absolutely. So, you know, at Levitate Foundry, we not only do performance marketing, but we also do design and development, UX, UI, creative, motion design, et cetera. That's the big part of our e-commerce practice. And so, yeah, when we are building sites, we're not thinking about optimizing for mobile. We're thinking about building mobile first. Uh, similarly, uh, the other thing that a lot of brands are that are thinking about is uh, ensuring their load speed times are appropriate. Uh, again, if your site isn't loading in less than three seconds, you're you're losing a big core of your prospective audience that will have at that point already bounced off site. Um, and so similarly, you want to make sure that it's loading appropriately on mobile and quickly. Uh, another thing on site as far as optimizations go that has been pretty popular in the past few years. And again, I think is not only about the customer experience and the customer relationship and building trust, it's also about compliance, um, but certainly it's the right thing to do is to ensure your site is accessible. So we sometimes think about accessibility in physical spaces. We perhaps don't always consider accessibility in digital spaces. This will probably become more and more of a topic over time as we continue to see AR and VR uh, take off in, whether that's in e-commerce or in other applications. And so, yeah, I think it's important to ensure that your site, whether it's on desktop or mobile, is ADA compliant in the US. Uh, not only so that you are up to code, as it were, but also so you are uh, inclusive and not alienating a potential entire segment of the population that might want to engage with your brand and purchase from you. Great point. And it goes into uh, having empathy for your customers understanding what their needs are today and every single customer is different there's commonalities but that's where it gets into the personalization and and respecting your visitors their time who they are and and creating that experience for them what i couldn't go for it. just building off that i couldn't agree more and two things before we end up on a totally different tangent another thing when it comes to mobile is because people are spending more time on their phones sms obviously as a channel. And similarly, uh, when you're talking about their behaviors and personalization, we think about triggers, uh, on-site triggers, right? And so we love Just Uno specifically for capture. Um, it's one of the primary tools that we use when we're looking to capture emails and uh, phone numbers for SMS specifically. And again, people might not realize that you should test uh, different types of triggers for your pop-up. Again, if the very first thing that you see when you land on a site is a pop-up and you can't see anything else without surrendering your information, that might feel invasive um, or overreaching to some 
perspective customers. It might be fine for others. Um, however, the good news is with a tool like Just Uno, you can obviously test multiple different uh, behaviors, triggers, and intention. Perhaps you do uh, an exit intention pop-up rather than just landing on site. But again, these are all things that brands and businesses should think about and test. Well, as we talk about the basics and the foundation is that me is, you know, and we've been doing this for, you know, just, you know, itself for 12 years. And it, I feel like we're in this new evolution of like really understanding what needs to be in the product. And it's, you know, you go to a site, it's, I don't care about 10% right now because you haven't earned my trust yet. Why aren't we talking about this, this package will, if you buy today, it will ship today in a countdown timer. You know, you're, we know you're in this, this zone, like it will arrive to you in by this date. Does that sound good? Do you want to continue on here? Oh, by the way, we're going to guarantee you the best price. And as a competitive advantage, we own our product and we, we're going to give you a special free gift. Or if you're not ready today, sign up for a giveaway of our product. And now we have your email, which is a known channel. I mean, where we are, you know, we're still in the infancy of understanding, like you said, the digital space, you know, bring in, if you think about uh, search recently hit my radar. And if you think about search and merchandising product recommendation, back in the day in retail, the, the most popular teams to be on, let's say a gap was the merchandising team. Cause you would come into stores, you'd, you know, be the, the, the cool kids that like make sure the store is all dialed in. Um, are you seeing search, you know, as in you grab on a site and, you know, people are using the search, search bars. I feel like it's this big, this crazy overlooked opportunity. I can absolutely. Uh, again, there's nothing but opportunity. It also depends if you only sell one product, perhaps search isn't as important. But if you have a plethora of inventory and different SKUs, search is probably extremely important. Another thing that might be important are your categories. Um, another thing that you also might want to consider are bundles and bundling some of your products, whether that's via subscription or otherwise. Uh, similarly, there's suggested products. So if you're on a specific product page for an item, you know, are there other suggested products that make a lot of sense to go with that item as an upsell or a cross-sell, if you will? Oh. So yes, search is huge. I think it's definitely overlooked, especially with brands. You know, we work with some clients that have over 10,000 SKUs. Uh, search is critically important at that point. Uh, if, you, if you have the product that the person is looking for, but they can't find it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so not only should the entire site be optimized for search engines, not only should everything be tagged appropriately, but the function on your own site, searching within your site uh, should be optimized and should be well thought out. So um, let's, let's wind down here. Uh, but of course I'm introduced a couple of things here. <laughs> For time's sake, of course. Uh, I just had John Roman on from BattleBox, and uh, you mentioned bundles. And I asked, like, I like to ask, like, hey, what's one thing that's really 
like super excited about that that's like crushing it and then i like to ask like and and if you could just pause and just focus one week on one thing would be and they added a surprise the battle box is this a subscription service with these adventure outdoor really cool boxes on the checkout they have a surprise box and it was like 49.99 i think they had like a 40 percent acceptance of that surprise box so their aov instantly shot up uh it was he's super exciting to hear and the second one is he's going to be focused, you know, he would love to just freeze everything and focus on his product pages. Um, for you, obviously, you're, you know, you're not hands-on managing, you know, you know, one business, but, you know, how can we relate that question to you? If you were able to just this week, stop everyone be like, please, can we focus here just for one week? Where would that be? Absolutely on the retention marketing side of things. So because the owned and earned channels are more important than ever, because of the rising cost per action across all of those other traditional digital advertising channels, uh, it is more cost efficient and more effective to spend your time, energy, money, resources on retaining existing customers than it is to acquire net new customers. That's not to say you shouldn't do both and have a healthy mix. You, of course, need to refill the funnel from a variety of sources to keep things flowing and keep them going and moving along. But as we continue to see, uh, you know, the vast majority of e-commerce brands see at least 40% of their total revenue from just their email channel. And we've seen even higher numbers on SMS in the past two years. Some brands are hesitant to test or try SMS. They think, depending on who they are, their own demographic, perhaps their own preconceived notions or their own personal use cases, they don't think people want to hear from brands on SMS. That's simply not true. Uh, you also give people the option right? Uh, I also think it's important to survey your customers. So you are personalizing how they hear from you, how often they hear from you, where they hear from you, what they hear from you. Do you want marketing? Do you want promotions? Do you want product launches, et cetera? Giving people the option, that's that Z and zero party data, right? Ask people and they might tell you. Surveys are a great, great way to do this. But basically, if I could tell every brand or business owner, operator, to stop and look, it would be to pull out a magnifying glass and make sure that they had their ducks in a row when it comes to any of their marketing and automation efforts on lifecycle channels. So if they don't have the appropriate flows and automation set up on email, whether that's a win back campaign, whether that's a card abandonment campaign, et cetera, a refer a friend campaign, they are absolutely leaving revenue on the table. It's like they have a hole in their pocket. <laughs> and so hole in the ship. It's like, hey, we got to go patch some holes here. We got some leaks. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. We're on the same page here. Or I guess I should say we're we're on or in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. So you, you heard it there, retention marketing. Right. Hands there. down. Hands no down. question. And people who know me might think that this is ironic. Because anyone who knows me knows that my background in marketing, I'm actually, uh, you know, certified media buyer on many different channels. So, you know, I'm telling you this hands down 
And I really mean it because it's not even my specialty within marketing. It's that important. Yep. And, you know, it goes into, you, you talk about own channels and it's the most efficient way to grow your business. And to do that, you have to also win them over by creating a customer experience that they're willing to come back to. And, and the whole, it's, it's one big organic loop that leadership in the companies need to understand and, and, and be all in on and push and drive the company to have that mindset of, you know, a customer first company all the way through uh, to the point of having, you know, shipping puts a sticker for your brand inside the box, something as small as that. So 100%. And I know you mentioned Amazon earlier when it came to customer experience, but, you know, even Amazon took cues from the late, great Tony Shea, the former CEO of Zappos. And that's certainly probably a big reason why Amazon decided to acquire Zappos. And, you know, if you're familiar with Tony and his work or any of his writings, you would know that he even tested his own uh, customer service operators at Zappos by calling them late night, asking to order him a pizza in Santa Monica when they're based also here in Las Vegas. Um, and of course they came through. And yeah. so, yeah, cus everything should be about putting the customer first. You know, you mentioned empathy, uh, empathy for your customer. Quite frankly, if you don't care about your customer, you shouldn't be in business. <laughs> so oh. perhaps that's a hot take. Uh, that's certainly my opinion. Uh, but you should lead with empathy within your organization and with your brand and your products and your values. And hopefully, you know, you're bringing a great product or service to market for people because you care about them and you want to make their lives better. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned Tony Shea, which is such a sad story. You know, I think Delivering Happiness was his book that he wrote. We uh, When we were running our, our e-commerce business in 2008, I think we toured their Las Vegas facility. And, uh, you know, we walking through the, the customer service team, I, it was, it was really cool how they, they actually pointed out that the first week that you joined the company, you would spend in, in, on chat, you know, to be part, to really learn and understand, you know, the rest of the company, you know, and that really, it really, you know, his book, everything really led the, led the directive for the whole company and the culture which then also makes me think about Yvonne Chouinard and like, let my people go surfing. That wasn't just the people. That's just like a, a, a company ethos, you know, a company culture all around. There's so many great inspiring people that have been doing this, but it's just, it's taking forever to adopt. And, but we're getting there. 100%. And, you know, I had the pleasure of spending a lot of time with Tony. Um, one of the big reasons why I chose Las Vegas of all places to move from LA, you know, a lot of people ask me that question and, you know, anyone who hasn't read Delivering Happiness absolutely should. Uh, and if you've read Delivering Happiness, you should check out Beyond Happiness, uh, written by Jen Lim, a longtime collaborator of Tony Shea, uh, who also was the chief happiness officer of the Delivering Happiness nonprofit. So really, you know, walking the talk um, for those that sort of ethos and building culture within organizations. Cool. I love doing these podcasts. I, you know, I get to some little tidbits. Uh, my new book, Beyond Happiness. I'm gonna add that to Audible. Well, absolutely fantastic book. Highly recommend it to to anyone. And uh, you know, Jen is also a great podcast speaker. <laughs> so, uh, Ashley, thank you so much. Uh, Ashley is joining us from Levitate Foundry. 
com, correct? That's right. All right. Uh, please check them out. Obviously, you know, you can just Google Ashley Scorpio. You'll get her whole background. It's quite robust and impressive. And uh, we have more coming down the pipeline here. So please subscribe. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for joining us, Ashley. Thank you for having me. All right, cool. Have a good day.